0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly, Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Trevor McNulty continues our series of messages on the book of Acts. Today, looking at Acts chapter 17. And now, here's Trevor. Well, thank you very much, Dave and Vicki and Bruce, for that wonderful opening. And thank you for bringing in uh, Luke 24. I really appreciate that and all the connections that you made through the opening uh to the things that we will be discussing here this morning. Now, this uh is a a large topic. There's a lot in Acts 17 and you're lucky I only had one coffee because I don't have uh I only have a limited amount of energy this morning, so we won't be going through past supper tonight. So, um, so we're going to go with uh You know, it's uh, an unfortunate uh, where, um, you know, it'll be, uh, for a lot of it will be an overview. But I just encourage that discussions don't end once the sermon ends. That we hear the words, we take the words, and we discuss the words. And that keeps going with us all the time. Um, It's not meant to end. It's meant to be the start to encourage to for further discussion. And um, that's what the goal is this morning in one way, but also the goal is uh, to exalt the Lord and lift up this passage and this word and what he has specifically for us in this passage. So let's start by prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, uh, just pray that you'll be with me and help this Message to be all for you, by you, and to honor and glorify you, Lord. Uh, you are, uh, you are all things, and uh, Lord, uh, you are the uh, the Potter. We are the clay. Help the clay to understand the Potter, and Lord, I just pray that you'll be with us this morning and always. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're in Act 17 this morning. So we're going to start off by. Uh, breaking it in, into sections, we're going to look at uh, verse one through nine to start. <clears throat> now they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollina, and they came to Thessalonica, where there uh, sorry where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in as was his custom. On on th- three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, And set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people... And, this, the, sorry, and the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. <clears throat> so as we'll see this morning, Paul basically had one message brought to three cities But yet, as we'll discover, they look a little different in each situation. But to start off, Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica. And as was his custom, he targeted the Jewish synagogue. It's very clear that Paul had a heart for the Jews. That he was a Jew, he understood the Jews, and he had a heart. And he knew that when, who else was better to take these guys head on? To show them the scriptures. And that's where he mainly focused his ministries at this point in time. There was a great need to reach them. And in verse 2 and 3, as it says, On three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And explaining and, uh, and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. The key is Paul reasoned with them from the Scriptures, from their Scriptures. He was meeting them and trying to show them who this man was that they did not yet recognize and that they should have because it was clear throughout their Scriptures and to show them the truth about Christ and that Jesus was the Christ. Now praise the Lord that uh, some of the devote, uh, some of the Greeks, and some of the leading women uh, accepted this message. But as per the uh, the unfortunate pattern of the Jewish people, uh, well, they get angry, they incite a mob. That seems to be their pattern. Let's get the mob together. Let's get the men of the rabble. Let's cause them trouble here. You know they didn't want. They didn't look. All they had to do was look at their scriptures, see what's going on. No, nope, uproar it is. And they attacked the house of Jason because they knew that that's where uh, they were staying. And the if we look through verse uh, 6 and 7, there's some key things here. The Jewish mob claimed that these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, Jesus. Jason had to pay money as a security and a promise that he would not cause any more disturbances. Now, in my studies, it's clear that the, the Romans had control in this area. I think Jason may have been a Greek, but I'm not sure on that. But, The key is the Jews were smart. They knew exactly what to say to get the authority on their side. All they had to point out was another king. Caesar would allow no other king. But what saved Jason and his family would appear to be the fact that he wasn't Jewish or another culture. If he was, his punishments probably would have been much different. But at this point, he faces. Uh, monetary fines, penalties, and securities, and things that would control Jason and his family, that if they did any of the next steps, death could be a possibility, but it would more or less be a possess- uh, repossession of all their things. And so, but the key was that the, the Jews knew how to get the authorities on their side. There's another king being claimed here. Another kingdom. Now, if we look at the the section in verse 6, these men have turned the world upside down. That was their claim. Amen for that. Should we, That's what we should all be going for. We have to turn this world upside down. That's the need. This world is ridiculous. And without the lord it is a mess with the lord things were turned upside down at the fall of man we need to turn them back the other way and which the world would view as turning it upside down but really we're making it right we're bringing we're restoring through the lord that's what we just play a small part but that's what the lord wants to do and someday he will he will restore and he will take control. <clears throat> so now if we look through at verses ten to fifteen. <clears throat> the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too. Agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then brothers then the brothers immediately sent Paul off his um, off way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So Paul slips out of Thessalonica. And it was a little bit of a hop, skip, and a jump as it was about 80 kilometers to Berea. You know? But when Paul gets to Berea, where'd they go? To the synagogue. Right back at it. This man was laser focused (laughs) on his mission. He knew, they, and they moved out of Thessalonica, most likely to, for multiple reasons, so that the gospel can keep advancing, and to protect Jason and his family from further uh, issues. But they were smart. They left Silas and Timothy there to keep the ball rolling quiet. And, but Paul gets to Berea, and he gets to the Jews. Do you think he, we don't have the specifics of what he said to the Jews in Bria, but I absolutely believe that it would be basically the same message from Thessalonica to Bria to all over the place, because that is the message. When you come to places and people that don't know, and he was going to the Jews, there was only one message. They knew the scriptures. They knew the Old Testament. They did not know Jesus as the Christ. So when he gets there, that's where he would be going. On like that's the message. That's where he would be reasoning with them from the scriptures. On now, the key here is the Jews in Berea being more noble. Didn't do like the Jews in Thessalonica, incite a mob and get this riot going. They said, hold on a second here, he's talking to us from our scriptures. Let us go to our scriptures and verify what this man is saying. And you know what? They did. They, they verified it. And it says, a, many of them therefore Believed, as well as a few Greek women of high standing and as well men, they believed they didn 't just believe because they were told it, and that 's the key. they believed because they heard and they verified. However, during this time. <laughs> The angry Jews from Thessalonica, just like a dog chasing a bone that couldn't let it go, are on the path. They're like, we just can't let this happen. We have to go there. And they stir up trouble in Berea. So, again, Paul is escorted out. Gets to, most likely, it says he goes to the sea. And then makes his way to Athens. Now, once in Athens, we'll pick that up in verse 16. It says, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned with them in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the market, marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers Also converse with him. And some said. What does this babbler wish to say? Others said. He seems to be preaching of foreign divinities. Because he was preaching Jesus. And the resurrection. They took him and brought him. To the Areopagus, Saying. May we know what this. New teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish. uh, To know therefore what these things mean. Now. Now, uh, sorry. now all of the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing of something new. So we see a little difference in tactic here. Now Paul enters this city. He did a, as was true to him. He went to the synagogue. But We notice the difference here is that he was stirred up within. So, he did some street preaching. He didn't just go and target the Jews here. He's seen this city loaded with monuments and idols and different things. And he was very stirred by this. Now, Athens was... About 500 centuries, or sorry, five centuries before this, so 500 years before this point in time, was at the height of its glory. With, uh, in terms of art and, uh, philosophy and literature and architecture, and it was at its height. But Athens was still an important place at this time, 500 years later. And it retained a reputation for being an education city. And that's where you get the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers and these different people. There was a lot of people coming here to be educated uh, in these ways in Athens. Now remember what Ecclesiastes taught us when we went through that study. Nothing new under the sun. These philosophers, a lot of what they believed is still, you still hear it today. It's still, people don't learn. But if we look at what the Epicurean uh, believed, they believed that nature rather than reason is reality. Meaning that nothing exists under other than atoms and voices. And the goal of man, uh, humankind was to achieve happiness and pleasure and avoid pain. They did not deny the existence of multiple gods, but they had nothing to do with them. Very familiar that's what we see today. The Stoics, they were pantheists who emphasized moral sincerity and a high sense of duty. They believed that everything was God and that all things, good or evil, were from God. Since they believed this, They believed that nothing should be resisted and that there was no particular direction or destiny for mankind. These beliefs most certainly affected the city of Athens and the idols and the monuments that filled the city. And you can see everything the Stoics, everything good, everything bad, it's all from God. Indulge. We still see it. (laughs) We still see it. so now when paul was grieved by what he saw he preached and thank goodness you know the epicureans and the stoic philosophers because of their tendency to want to learn and to attach to things and as it says they spent nothing but talking about new things and always trying to discuss and talk and it caught their attention. Now, because it caught their attention, they brought Paul up to what we know, most of us would refer to as Mars Hill, uh, but also known as Hill of Ares, or the Aeropagus, which was a, uh, administ- the, the main body of the administrative courts and chief courts in Athens. It was a big place. There was you know judgments put out there disciplines everything there is just it was a very central place in this uh, uh Athens uh city now what they say to paul is you know you bring some strange things to our ears we wish therefore to know what these strange things mean now How are we doing on this? Are we sharing these strange things amongst our community to get people stirred up, to have the opportunity to say, I'd like to hear more of this? For any reason, whether it's just for educational purposes or for um, whatever reason that it is that they want to hear more, the key is they want to hear more. But are we giving that opportunity or are we kind of staying quiet? You know, Paul saw the, the plight of Athens, so he spoke. And if we look at uh, through uh, 17 to 34, we'll see what he said. <clears throat> so Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus said men of Athens I perceive that in every way you are very religious for I have passed along and observed the objects of your worship I found also an altar with an inscription to the unknown god what therefore you worship as unknown I proclaim uh, this I proclaim to you the god who made the world and everything in it belong, uh, being the lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man nor is he served By human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we indeed are his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being, being like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art of the imagination of men. The time of arrogance, or ignorance, God overlooked, but now he commands all people Everywhere to repent, because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all men to all sorry to all by raising him from the dead. Now they heard the so now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this, So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed. Among them were Dionysius, the Aerophagate, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So, we notice something here. When Paul went to the Jews, he was direct with Jewish scriptures. We see what he said here. Do On the top of the surface, do we see him bringing the scripture forward? Not on the surface, but he absolutely does. Now, why would he change his tactic here? Well, the Greeks didn't have the Jewish scriptures. The Jews had their scriptures. It made perfect sense to start and base their discussions on the scriptures with the Jews. To be quoting the Old Testament with the Greeks would have no value. However, over and over and over and over, in this passage, it is scripture, 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 scripture. And we will go through through that. But now, the first thing that popped out to me in this section was when he said, when he saw the monument saying, to the unknown God. Now, we know that the Greeks had many, many, many gods. And what is believed of this monument is that it was referring to the fact (laughs) It was almost like a tribute to the ones that we forgot about, (laughs) that we just don't have the time and and get lost along the way. Oh yeah, to, to those guys, this is your monument, and to to the rest, well, you have your monuments that we unfortunately worship and idolize every day. But to this unknown God, that's where they were going with it. Paul cleverly used it to say, I have a name for this God. This God that you ignore and that has given you life and breath and that from one man, all men came. And and he goes and he, without naming him directly, he says in uh, verse 31, And of this, he has given us assurance by all, to us, or to all, by raising him from the dead. Who was raised from the dead? None other than Jesus Christ. I know that there's not a chance that Paul left Athens without fleshing this out and going deeper and deeper and deeper with them. But when we look at these passages, verse 24 to 25, The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Genesis 1. Verse 26 to 27. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Genesis 2 and 11. Verse 29 and 31. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being like a gold or a silver or a stone image formed in the by the art and imagination of man. The times of arrogance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by man whom he has appointed, and all of this has been given assurance to all by the raising of him from the dead. Genesis 3, Isaiah 40, 42, 53, Leviticus 19, among a vast array of verses that all come up. There's a ton of scripture in that. Now, if he gave that same talk to the Bereans, they would have went to the Scriptures and they would have found them all because they would look. And that's what we need to do. You hear a message, you hear anyone say anything, verify it. Go to the Scriptures, seek it out, and find it. Paul didn't have to, with the Greeks, quote the Scripture, but he said the Scripture. And he was true to the Scripture. As I think I've made clear, Paul always argued on the basis of scripture, as scripture is the source of truth. Paul's mission is clear. It is to share with everyone who Jesus is, the Christ, and not, and only the scriptures will be sufficient to argue from, to show people the message of salvation. Now, some of the crowd mocked when he mentioned the resurrection. But that's because of their philosophies and their thoughts at the time. They had a hard time with the resurrection fact. And if you had time, you look more into it. their beliefs, it's very clear why. But I thank the Lord a lot believed. And we need to share no other choice <clears throat> so now what well like i said we look at paul's example in this script in this section this chapter paul makes it clear we have no other choice but to share what we know with everyone we know in the hopes that they say what strange things are you talking about Let us hear. We must also know who this God is that we are spreading the message about. So that in our own way, in our own lives and hearts and thoughts, that we're not making our own version of this to the unknown God. We have a name. We know who God is. We know his attributes. We know everything about him if we look and examine the scriptures. The Lord isn't just Jesus. The Lord isn't just the Father. The Lord isn't just the Holy Spirit. The Lord God is the whole package. And we have to know the whole package. That is the key. Sometimes we just focus too much on one and the others don't make sense. Like It's a package deal. And as we listened to a sermon from Steve Lawson this week, he made a great point. He said, the Holy Spirit never gives glory to himself. He always gives glory to the Father. Jesus never takes glory for himself. He always gives glory to the Father it's a package deal. So let's put let's keep putting a name to the unknown god in our communities and in our the people that the Lord puts in our path. As I said, we must be like the Bereans who heard and verified and not like the Jews of Thessalonica who got jealous and upset and And, uh, you know, Paul doesn't expect this. The Lord doesn't expect this. He doesn't expect that we hear, just hear words that are preached and just blindly accept. That's not the point. That's not never what he wanted. That got the church into huge problems when, especially in the Catholicism, when it was in Latin and no one can understand it and they were encouraged my family, growing up, they were told, don't read it, you won't understand it. That was wrong. We have it, we must understand it, and we have the right to go like the Bereans and verify. Unfortunately, there are more bad teachings out there, but they keep coming up day by day by day. We must verify day by day by day. Don't blindly accept. Now, verse 3, we go back all the way to the beginning, said something. It said, Paul's message was, he said he got to the synagogue and he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. We know this because of the Old Testament prophecies and its clear fulfillments. Still to this day, when you talk to people about the Lord, they say, why? Like, why would He have to do that? Why would He have to suffer and send His Son? It just doesn't make sense. I don't want to believe that. It's a verified fact. We know through the old that it had to happen and more prophecies that could it cannot be a mistake or a fluke. It was a very pinpoint accurate. Un- the only one man could ever fulfill that. And we know that it was fulfilled in the New Testament. We know what was being fulfilled because we have the Old. And if you look at le- um, the Scriptures in... Um, Leviticus, Isaiah, Hosea, Second Samuel, Psalms, and others and others and others, it will tell you exactly why. But we know he had to suffer. And he suffered for us. Praise the Lord. And may we be forever humbled by that fact. That should kick us and we should feel it. And that we should change our lives. That the Lord who made all rescued us by suffering himself. So, to wrap it up, I'll call up the worship team. The word of God stands up to the test. Let's verify. And let's forever, every day, Go on searching the Scriptures to understand who He is a little better tomorrow than today. Every day that we just say, yes, now I know who You are more and more, Lord. Thank You. Amen. We thank You for Your words, Father. We thank You for the presentation of them and for those who faithfully uh, transmitted them to us we thank you for this time that we've we've been here and we've been able to think about that message in our own hearts and may they have life-changing effect in us and we pray that we might go forth and uh, as we've been reminded to proclaim the one who gave all of this for us his life and we pray these things in jesus name amen